Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now let's begin. Well, welcome back to a brand new week, brand new episode. This is the final part, part three of our three-part series of sanctification, Trust the Process. Last week, we dug into what progressive sanctification is. As we recall, progressive is the lifelong journey of advancing in holiness, conforming to the likeness of Christ. This is a marathon that requires devotion, diligence, and determination to pursue the heart of God. Today, we are going to talk about the last and final aspect of sanctification, that is perfected sanctification or glorification. And as we begin our walk with Christ, we become a new creature in Him. But we then are engaged in a war that is like no other. Ephesians 6.12 clearly tells us that the warfare that we're in is not against flesh and blood, but rather we are at war spiritually against dark, worldly, spiritual forces. Satan and his fallen angels or demons are operating at full force 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and their mission is to steal, kill, and destroy what God calls good or what brings him good pleasure. I say this to you as a segue to Romans, the seventh chapter, verses 14 through 25, and that's where we're going to be at for now. And the reason why I bring this up to you is because as we progress in our years, as we get older, I reflect on how many years I've been a Christian. I've been a Christian for 23 years now. Some people have been in the faith 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, even 80 years. And I was recently in a study with a group of believers, and we were sharing out how long we've been a Christian for. And some of these people, that are really, really deep into the faith and many, many years under their belt. We were just kind of exchanging stories over the years of what we've been through and how God got us through all those things. And it's really encouraging to see and hear those things and people still abiding in Christ after all these years. And that, and that's what it's all about. So Romans, the seventh chapter verses 14 through 25, the, subtitle here says the conflict of two natures i want you to listen to this this is this is a little bit long but this is going to make sense here in a minute so listen very carefully here we go for we know that the law is spiritual but i am not but i am of flesh excuse me sold in a bondage to sin for what i am doing i do not understand for i am not practicing what i would like to do but i'm doing the very thing that i hate But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good I what I want to do, I do not do. But I practice a very evil that I do not want. 
But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh and the law of sin. I say this to you, and I bring this up because I know some of you right now are thinking, well, this doesn't sound like glorification to me. I say this to you because as we progress in our years, as we grow deeper in our faith, we do become weary. Uh, we've been beaten up over the years. Uh, battle scars are clearly among us. And we've been forsaken by people. We've been hurt by things. There are uh, just an overabundance of evil now. And as we progress uh, in years in this country and in this world, this the world becomes that much more darker and evil. And so the war against our old self versus our new self is a war that we are engaged in until we are glorified. Our new self, the flesh serves as an enemy camp in which the sin is based in and operates in a Christian's life. So our new self is, is, is there, but we also have a, the, the our flesh that has sin dwelling within it that just that operates within us. And it also, and this is, this is the other thing as a believer, we ought to be as sinless as possible. But we are still subject to our fallenness, sin, the sinful nature. And you know what? We're still contaminated with it. And that's what gets frustrating. We just want to be done away with sin. This is why in 2 Peter 1.5, it says, Now for this very reason, applying all diligence. Because in verse 4, it talks about escaping the corruption that is in the world. You can go ahead and read that uh, after this episode. But we must be diligent. That means full effort, maximum effort in those qualities you read last week. And some of those qualities were faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. That's why I brought those up. We need maximum effort in applying that diligence to those qualities and increasing. And I, I came back to Second Peter because... The walk of the believer gets very weary. The one thing a believer wrestles with out of many things is the assurance of salvation. And we know in verses 10, 11 that we talked about last week, if we increase in those qualities, if we pursue those qualities and are spirit controlled, that we will have the assurance of salvation and we'll have an abundant welcome into the kingdom. So, as long as the introduction of that was glorification is the final doing away with sin 
by the holy, righteous, powerful God of his saints. Psalm 116.15 says, Precious is the sight of the Lord, is the death of his godly ones. So when, when we pass on from this life to the next, we are precious in his sight because even though we are passing away, we're being, this is not the end. We're, it's almost like we're being reborn again uh, in heaven. And if you've ever held a baby that's your own for the first time, there's absolutely nothing like it. And you're, it's just so precious and just so wonderful. And you just sit there and you don't say any words. You just stare. And I remember that the first time doing that, I was just staring. And I mean, finally, the first words came out of my mouth were nothing significant. I was like, oh, hi. Hey, how are you? And I'm so glad to meet you and all those type of things. And that's that's what it, I think that's what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. It's just we are so precious in God's sight. And I think we lose track of that sometimes. But again, the doing away with sin is Paul Paul's longing for in Romans 7:24 which he says wretched man that I am who will set me free from this body of death that's that's his heart cry there I don't want to sin anymore I don't want to be opposed to God anymore and only God can set us free from that and upon the completion of our purpose God has for us and our sanctification on earth has been completed we will be set free from our unredeemed, sinful, lustful body of flesh and be given a new spiritual body. So I want you to turn with me to Philippians, the first chapter, verse 6. And this scripture will seem like it is for, for last week's study about progressive sanctification, but it has everything to do with what we're talking about today. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, this is what it says. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. So again, it goes back to who began a good work. God began a good work in us. That's salvation. That's the justification aspect of it and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit going in and progressive and will perfect us until the day of Christ. And the day of Christ just means it's the final salvation, reward, and glorification of believers. So he is perfecting us until that glorious moment that we are going to be glorified in heaven. I want you to turn with me now a few books back to 2 Corinthians 4.17. And I've read this verse many, many times, and it's helped me through that weariness that we experience as believers. And it's so important to, to be reminded of those things, like, like Peter tells us, that it's, it's good to be reminded of those things. So 2 Corinthians 4.17, this is what it says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an internal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So again, we are going through things that are challenging. We are going through things that are difficult, but they are light and momentary. And what is it producing? 
it's producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension and comparison. That's what it's doing. So while it is difficult, while it is challenging, what we're going through is making us like his son, is producing that perseverance within us. And, you know, if we're really comparing battle scars here to some of these people in in, in Scripture, Paul specifically, and we're not going to go into everything he went through, but everything that he went through, which was far beyond anything I would ever go through my in my life, but he called those things that he was going through weightless and brief. And the weight of glory in heaven far outweighs anything on earth. Far outweighs it. So, again, the reason why I'm, I'm sharing this stuff with you right now, because we're about halfway done here. And I know a lot of you are waiting for this. Where is the glorification? Where is the glorification part? My point is this. There are many years, many trials, many tribulations, many struggles until we are glorified in heaven. And that is that is the ultimate finish line. And now I, I just want to make it known to you, brothers and sisters, that everything that you're going through now, there is a purpose for it. It is to make you like his son. It's to is to produce strong faith, a strong spirit, and and it's helping you again. And that's the goal of a believer is to be as Christ-like as we can, and that is the goal. So do not give up. Do not grow weary. God will give us the strength to persevere. He will give us a way out. He will make a way. And that is a guarantee. So now let's look at some very amazing promises of glorification. Now we're getting into the good stuff. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. This should excite you. This is what it says. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's 21. Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Wow. there That's what I'm talking about, Nate. Here we go. Brothers and sisters, our citizenship is not here on this earth. We are in the world, but not of it. And I'm telling you right now, that is the goal. And we are to, we are to live holy lives to show other people that God can transform me. He can transform you. He can He can restore all things in my life. He can restore all things in your life. So I'm telling you this as 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 a way of kind of spurring us, maybe that out of that 
mindset of weariness and I don't maybe burnout if you want if you want to call it that. But again, the focus. Our citizenship is not here. And we are eagerly awaiting the Savior. And he's going to transform us into his glory. That is amazing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44. I said this a few weeks ago. And I know a lot of you have been through this with me already. But I again, it's, it's such a good thing to go back and have reminders. So this is what we're going to get in heaven. So 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, 42 through 44, says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So again, the perishable body is has we can get sick, we can die, we can have ailments. With our new body, we're not going to have that anymore. No more of that. No more sickness. No more death. No more ailments. Our body right now is in dishonor. And that means that our new bodies, we have no shame due to sin. Our bodies are weak. And our new bodies, no more weakness in temptation. The body of death that we read about in Romans, that's no more. And our natural body, you know what? We have limits to this body. And there's going to be no more limits in heaven. We'll be like Christ. So again, we read this before. And I'm going to read it one more time because I think it's just so important. Again, in verse 42, we go from perishable to imperishable. It's, it's I mean, we're going to be invincible. That, that's amazing. 43, sown in dishonor, raised in glory. So again, we have an imperishable, glorious body. And then the last part, it is sown in weakness, is raised in power. So we go from a perishable, dishonored, weak, natural body to a new, spiritual, powerful, glorious, imperishable body. And that is completely amazing. And that, that's something we look forward to. I want you to turn with me now to Colossians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 4. This also is a, a book I've been going to a lot. Philippians, Colossians. I've been, I've been there just recently, and I tell you, it's so wonderful. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Listen to this. This is this is also this is such good stuff here. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Did you catch all that? So we need to keep seeking heavenly spiritual things and then set our minds on them. We seek by getting into the word. And once the spirit shows us those things, we set our minds on them. Like when Peter initially set his focus on Christ, when Christ was walking on the water. But when the world around him rose up, he lost focus and his faith and he sank. We fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. And then when Christ, who is our life, he has to be our life. Not the person who does things for us and answers our prayers and gives us the things that we want. No, he has to be our whole entire existence, our whole entire life. When he is our life and he is revealed, then we will be revealed with him in glory. I mean, wow. I just, it's it's so, I can't, I can't imagine. And that's just, the, and that's just the, that's the amazing part about God. He just blesses us beyond all understanding. It's, it, it truly is grace. It's all of grace. First Corinthians 2, 9. I want you to listen to this real quick. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even comprehend that. It's unimaginable joy, bliss, and wonder for what God is preparing for us. We're just eagerly anticipating this. Think of any time you've been trying to anticipate a gift or anything else like that. Christmas, birthday, whatever. This goes beyond that, way beyond that. And then I'm going to excite you even more. In John 14, 1 through 6. This is amazing stuff here. It says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so... I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I mean, Jesus is preparing a place for us. And the dwelling places it talks about here, a, a translation of that in the Greek is mansions. We're going to have mansions with our name on it, and he's preparing it for us right now. But guess what? He's the only way to get there. He's the only way. And that's amazing. Revelation 21. Revelation 21. We're going to end off with 21 and 22. We're not going to read the whole chapters because we'd be here for a long time. But Revelation 21, 1 through 8. I want you to listen to this. This is 
this will get you excited too. I mean, this is all exciting stuff to me. But listen to this, one through eight. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral, immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. How do we overcome? By believing that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 5, 5. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more mourning, no more death, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. That is the ultimate goal. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Listen to this, people. This is the ultimate. This will get you pumped up. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were of the healing of the nations. There will be no longer any curse and the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it and its bond servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their heads. It'll be on their foreheads and there will no longer be any night for they will not need of the light or of lamp, nor the lamp of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will be forever reigning with him forever and ever. So again, this is significant because in Exodus, Exodus 33, 18 through 20, when Moses asked God to show him his glory, God allowed Moses to see the, his back. But in verse 20, God says, no man can see me and live. God is that glorious, that magnificent. If God, who is full of majesty, glory, clothed in light, and I can go on and on here, is that glorious from his back? How indescribably glorious must he be face to face? In Matthew 17, when Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, 
and describes Jesus as his face shining like the sun and his garments became white as light. He gave them and us a glimpse of his awesomeness, his magnificence, his gloriousness, his marvelousness, his splendor. That is his divine, holy, righteous self. The glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are our reward. Everything we ought to think, speak, and do should be for the glory of God. And God, being so gracious and compassionate and full of love, gives us this amazing promise in verse 4 and 5. He will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. Being like Christ is such an incomprehensible, undeserved, gracious, loving promise. Being done away with sin, having a new spiritual body, having a mansion in heaven, and being able to see the full glory of God Almighty, I eagerly await that glorious and wonderful day. And I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, brothers and sisters, God bless you all.